There is a great reward in the end, worth fighting for, but I will not lie to you. It is not easy to get there. It may even involve paying the price of losing your own physical life here on earth. But this temporary and imperfect world is no match for the eternal promised land. Nothing in this present age can compare to the Lord and to the eternity He has in store for those that love Him. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be sharing about an eternal promised land. In times past, God had promised to Israel a land of milk and honey, a promised land. And at some point they did arrive, but it was and is an imperfect place. Everything here and now is imperfect and flawed. But Jesus Christ came to give us a hope of a new and eternal promised land, something that is perfect in every way. And God has invited every single person through Jesus Christ. But we must strive to enter into that place, into God's kingdom. Today's message is inspired on the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 1 to 8. Please join me as we go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, Heavenly Father, mighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the one who was and is and is to come. Lord, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord God, for you are worthy to be praised and worthy to be exalted, O Lord, above all things, because you deserve that, because you are who you are. You are the Eternal One. Lord God, I praise you and I worship you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for the hope that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, please forgive my sins and my wrongs. Heavenly Father, Lord God, please remember us in your mercy and in your grace. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be able to understand and to embrace your word, to take it in, Heavenly Father, to know that it is life for us. I give you thanks and I praise you, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's key passage is from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 1 to 8. This is the word of the Lord. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og and the kings of the Amorites and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. 
In today's passage, we read about the original promised land, a land that was going to be given to the people of Israel if they continued on their journey and did as they were told. And this promised land was earthly and it had good things for them. It was supposed to be a place where they could be established as a nation and be able to grow and multiply. According to the Bible, they did arrive to that promised land, to the land of Canaan, and God gave them what he had promised based on their obedience on how well they followed his commandments. They unfortunately did not do exactly as they were told, however. They had left some people on the land that would later become thorns to them, like what they're experiencing today. And so they received something good, but not exactly as God had intended to give them because they were not completely faithful. And if you follow the course of history through the pages of the Bible, the Bible explains that the people of Israel became evil and sinful over time and became just as evil as the kingdoms that God had cast out for them, doing abominable things before the Almighty. And it got to the point that God allowed for foreign kingdoms to come and destroy Israel and to take much of the remaining survivors prisoner for many years. God punished the people through the Assyrian and Babylonian kingdoms. However, once the people had repented while living far away from their land and the time was fulfilled, God did bring them back to their land and he even used foreign kings to rebuild his temple. Some years had passed and they unfortunately went away from God yet again. And though they experienced the greatest fulfillment of prophecy, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, visiting them, they did not repent and turn as they should have. The Bible says in the book of John, the following, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Rather than embracing the Messiah, God in the flesh, the people of Israel killed him, crucifying the Son of God. And even though this was the plan, nonetheless they became the evil or wicked part of the plan. Because of the hardness of their heart, they became the executioner of the only begotten Son of God. Shortly after the death and resurrection of our Lord in 70 AD, God would again allow for judgment to come upon the land, and Rome came to fully annihilate Jerusalem and destroy the temple of God, just as Jesus had told them, Not one stone shall be left here upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as a result of the Roman conquest, the people of Israel were scattered to the four corners of the world where many reside even until this day. God did bring them back to their land and establish them as a nation yet again, thereby fulfilling one of the greatest and most important prophecies of our time as a sign of the end times. But as we can see today, it is not a place of peace. They are a nation, but since they came back to their land, it has been hardship and tribulation, and it will be like that until God makes all things new. But however, coming back to when Jesus came, and this is what much of Israel missed, that God, through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, would offer all mankind a different promised land, an eternal promised land, something very different to this very temporary and imperfect world. Similar to Israel many years ago, as we saw in the beginning, God invited every human being, including the people of Israel, to the inheritance of his kingdom, an eternal promised land. This eternal and everlasting promised land can never be conquered or invaded, and it will never change because God himself reigns over it. 
Now you may ask, what is his kingdom like? In Revelations chapter 21, verse 1 to 7, it gives us a glimpse of what this eternal promised land is like. The one that, quite frankly, many even before the coming of Christ had pursued, like Abraham and David and the prophets. It says like this, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. There is nothing like it here on earth, and it is eternal, but there is a condition. The Bible says that we must overcome similar to the command God gave through Moses to the people of Israel. And so it is not something that is automatic. The opportunity is there. God has put it within our grasp through the grace to find through Jesus Christ. But it is necessary for us to overcome. Where it says again, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The Bible talks about overcoming in many places. Just in the book of Revelations, we can see in chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. In Revelations 2.11, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Revelations 2.17, it says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone. And on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Revelations 2, verse 26 to 29, it says also, And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as also have received from my Father. And I will give him the morning star, he who as an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, it says again, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It says again in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
And finally, Revelations chapter 3, verse 21 to 22, it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To every single church in the book of Revelation, as we just read, the Lord himself tells us through his message to them that we must overcome to get that eternal promised land, to be able to attain the wonderful things he has in store for those that love him. So now, what is it that we need to or must overcome? We need to overcome the temptation of giving up on our faith in Christ. Once we have made the decision to surrender our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we must remain and abide on that decision, never to turn back. James chapter 1, verse 12 to 15 tells us this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. James speaks to us here about a temptation, a singular temptation that we must endure. And this is a temptation of abandoning or giving up on our faith in Christ when a person gives in to their own evil desires, to the weaknesses of their flesh and begins pursuing and practicing them, which is sin, rather than pursuing Jesus Christ and his eternal kingdom. This is what happens when people begin to practice sin, which means they adopt a sinful lifestyle, thinking that it is more important to wallow in sin rather than keeping their eyes set on the prize. And that's why this temptation that people give into will at some point will bring about their own death, not only their physical death, but their spiritual and eternal death, where it says again, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so this is the temptation we must overcome. We cannot give up or give in to sinful desires that we have within. We need to overcome the sin that is still within us. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this, For therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the kingdom of God is not about sitting idly by. We need to lay aside the weight of sin, and the writer of Hebrews compares our journey with Christ on earth to a race in that we need to run the course. This is not a sprint. We are taught to run with endurance. So it's like a marathon. We start running the race when we accept Christ into our lives and we should run that race daily, just as Jesus told us where he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. 
Now there are external enemies that need to be conquered as well, but through grace. Romans chapter 12 verse 21 tells us this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So through Christ, as we walk in Him, we are to deal with external forces, but not in the way that can be seen in the Old Testament through actual physical war. When you come to Christ, you become part of the war that has been waging since long ago. And that war cannot be fought through human means. It is a spiritual war, a war for the souls of mankind. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us how we can prepare ourselves for this war and be ready for it, where it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We can only wage the spiritual war with spiritual defense and offense through the way that God tells us how to. But we need to fight, and in order to gain entrance into that eternal promised land, and in doing so, we need to fight not only for ourselves, but for those that surround us, for our families, our loved ones, our friends, our neighbors, and even for our enemies, because Jesus taught us that we need to love our enemies. Jeremiah chapter 15 also says this, Therefore thus says the Lord, if you return... Then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the vile, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you, but you must not return to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. If we have repentant hearts before the Lord and we help bring others to the things of God, there are great promises to be had as well that we shall be like his mouth, but we must influence those around us to turn back to God's ways and we cannot succumb and become like them. We also read that we will have encounters with them, but that God will make us strong like a fortified bronze wall and they will not prevail against us. He will save you and deliver you in one way or another. But God's most important promise to us is that he will be with us. He will be with you. Just as he said back in our key passage, the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you and you shall dispose them. Joshua himself crosses over before you just as the Lord said, and the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Now the question we should ask ourselves is, how can you make sure that God stays with you? 
John chapter 14, verse 21 to 23 gives us this very important insight where it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And so, if we love Jesus, we are to keep his word, his commandments. And what are his commandments? In Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 31, we can see that Jesus said this. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And in Matthew chapter 16, it also says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in glory of his Father and with his angels. Then he will reward each according to his works. There is a great reward in the end worth fighting for, but I will not lie to you. It is not easy to get there. It may even involve paying the price of losing your own physical life here on earth. But this temporary and imperfect world is no match for the eternal promised land. Nothing in this present age can compare to the Lord and to the eternity he has in store for those that love him. The question is, are you up to the challenge? How much do you really want it? We read before that this eternal promised land consists of a new heaven and a new earth. And that everything that we see today will go away. We also read that in this place, God will wipe away every tear, and that there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain. It will be a perfect place where there is perfect and sinless peace, and that God's presence will inhabit this eternal place fully and completely. I don't know about you, but I need and want God's comfort in my life eternally. I would love for God to wipe away all my tears. I would like to live forever. I would like to never have to experience sorrow or crying or pain again. And truth be told, not that my life here is horrible, by the grace of God, but I do look forward to that eternity. I try to live my life in a way that my life decisions are based on the Lord and on His will so I can do what He wants me to do, so I can gain access through Jesus Christ to that wonderful place. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, that no matter who you are, no matter what you have, I'm very sure you are in a place of imperfection where there is pain and sorrow, where you do fear what today has for you and are even more concerned about tomorrow's uncertainty. I would urge you who feel today this pain, this sorrow, this anxiety, and you who may be even facing death, to look to Jesus Christ, to the one that came to this earth to give you life, eternal life, 
to the one that can change and transform your whole perspective and give you an eternal hope, an eternal comfort, and an eternal security in Him. This life will never be perfect, but I guarantee you that if God is with you through Jesus Christ, this life will be much better lived knowing that you are not alone, that God is with you, and that He will help you through Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life, get to that eternal place. We all need this wonderful hope that the here and now is not all that we have, but that we have an eternity to live for, to fight for, and even to die for, but that God will help us every step of the way as we look to do His will on earth. I can tell you, this eternity that God has for those that love Him is truly worth the challenge. It is truly worth the fight. You have everything to gain, literally, and nothing of true value to lose. And so, I urge you to look for Jesus while you still can and to live out His purpose for you today and for the rest of your life so you can enter into His eternal kingdom in the not-so-distant future. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you, O Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for the eternal hope that we have, for that eternal promised land. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can have this hope. Thank you that you have put it within our grasp through Jesus Christ to be able to, to have this eternal life. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you've made a way through Jesus to have our sins forgiven so that our souls can live forever, so that your spirit can live in our hearts and our minds and in everything that we are, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may help us to look for this eternal promised land, to live for this eternal promised land, knowing that when we get to the end, that we get to see you that we get to be with you forever and ever in your kingdom, in that perfect place where you will make everything different and everything new and everything special forever and ever, Lord God. Where all of the pain and the suffering and the tears and the worry and the anxiety that we have now will all go away. And Lord God, you will give us eternal peace, eternal life. Lord, I give you thanks because you are truly good and because you have such good intentions for us. Help us to understand your intentions and help us to live in them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.